nothing compared to God's people. And it's crazy. And you see it all the way through the Bible, uh, just like a quick blast through some people that you see it uh, with. In Genesis chapter 12, God uh, approaches Abraham. God says, Abraham, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all the people in the world. He says, Abraham, I'm going to use you to achieve this mission. In Exodus chapter 3, he says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to use you to free the Israelites. In uh, Joshua chapter 2, he uses Rahab, who was a prostitute, to hide uh, some Israelite spies in the city of Jericho. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, he uh, anoints David, who was a boy who was a shepherd. He says, amazing things are going to happen through you. And David ends up becoming King David, one of the greatest kings, if not the greatest king Israel had. Uh, And he also gave us uh, loads of Psalms and a real framework for how to worship and for how to pray. Then we go to the New Testament, and God continues this ridiculous strategy of using human beings. He uses a carpenter and his teenage wife-to-be to carry God as a baby, the most transformational moment in history, and he uses some human beings for it. Uh, Then when Jesus is carrying on through his ministry, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says to Peter, I'm going to build my church, and you're going to be the rock of the church. I'm going to use you, Peter, a man And then uh, Jesus goes up to heaven, and then all the way through Acts, we see Jesus continuing his ministry through human beings, through men and women, through ordinary people like us. And then when we get to this passage in in Acts uh, chapter 9, some context is that Saul was a Jew, and he didn't like the fact that these Christians, these Jesus followers, were running about the place, um, doing all his work and expanding the church. And so Saul was literally killing Christians because he hated it so much. But for those of you uh, that don't know, what happens immediately after this encounter is Saul has his name changed to Paul, and he becomes arguably the most influential person in the New Testament after Jesus. He plants churches, he's persecuted for his faith, he, um, he disciples people, he writes half the New Testament, he gives us all sorts of doctrine, Paul did amazing, amazing things, and God continued to use him as a man, and he has continued to use human beings right up until this moment. And if we can get into the frame of mind that knows that God calls us into partnership with him, that's when we start seeing all these amazing things. And like I say, it might not necessarily be big-scale amazing things, but it's when you start realizing, wow, God wants to be in partnership with me, that you then... uh, see your whole life with completely different eyes. So I want to flick to this passage and I want to offer three points for how we might move further into partnership with God. If you're taking notes, then write down, I can move further into partnership with God by, and then I've got three points that we're going to look at. The three points are, I can move further into partnership with God by answering him, I can move further into uh, partnership with God by asking him for his agenda. And thirdly, I can move further into relation, uh, with, uh, sorry, partnership with God by acknowledging that I am his instrument. So first of all, by asking, by answering him. So chapter 9, verse 10, it says this, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. 
The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. First step in moving into partnership with God is simply answering him. It says there in verse 10, the Lord called Ananias. Yes, Lord, Ananias answered. I think for some of us in the room tonight, you know that God is already nudging you to do something. You know that he has called you out by name as Ananias had. And you know that actually what you need to do just now is say, yes, Lord, you need to answer him. One of the amazing things about God is that he doesn't force us into partnership with him. Here he calls on Ananias and Ananias answers him. You notice God goes to Ananias and calls Ananias by name. It's no accident that God has met with Ananias. It's not like it's God was wandering through Damascus looking for someone and then Ananias happened to come past. It's he goes up to Ananias in a vision and says, Ananias. And he says, yes. For some of us, we know that God has really specifically called us to something. And we know that we've yet to answer him. Uh, And I believe that for some of us, uh, tonight might be the moment where we answer him and we say, yes, Lord. Now, the amazing thing about this story is Ananias gives us hope because Ananias, I don't know if he maybe thought he was doing God a favor by telling God just what Saul was like, but Ananias says, oh, wait a minute, God, this guy kills Christians and I, I I don't really think I should go and see him. And God's like, no, go. Uh, Notice he doesn't rebuke Ananias, he he listens to him, but he says, go, because I've got it sorted. I think the encouragement for some of us is that God is calling you by name, and the fact he's called you by name is no accident. Like, we might might barter with him, and we might say, are you sure you're calling me to that? And God's like, "Mm mm-hmm, I'm the creator of the universe, and I've called you by name, and I know fine well what I'm doing because I'm God, so you can answer me and say, yes, Lord. That's the first step in entering into Uh, more of a partnership with God is answer him. Second, to move further into partnership with God, we ask him for his agenda. Ask him for his agenda. Something that's incredible about entering partnership with God is, is that you get to join in with the work that he is already doing. I love mountain biking. Are there any mountain bikers in the house? No? Wow. Maybe mountain bikers are just quiet. But I love mountain biking, and like most people who love mountain biking, I can now speak on behalf of all mountain bikers, because apparently there's no other mountain bikers in the room. But like, like most mountain bikers, I think the best part of mountain biking is the downhill bit. And it's brilliant because the momentum is already provided for you by gravity. You, you don't need to worry about the momentum. You just get to enjoy the ride and you get to uh, maybe do the jumps or bypass the obstacles or go around the berms or whatever it might be. You've got the momentum given to you. But what sucks is when you get to the bottom of the hill and you need to climb back up it because you're like, oh man, 
I much preferred it when gravity did the hard work for me. And, oh, I think I might give up. And this is all too hard work because I don't want to cycle uphill. I think when we enter into partnership with God without asking him what his agenda is, it's a bit like going uphill on our mountain bike. We just don't have any momentum, and it's all about the effort that we're putting into it. But when we ask God, God, what is your agenda for this partnership? He provides the momentum, and we get to join this amazing ride with him. Again, if we look back at the passage, we go to, uh, again, kind of verse 11 through to the end, we see that Ananias says, yes, Lord, he answers, and God says, I want you to go to Saul, because he's already seen a vision of a man called Ananias to come and pray for him. So Ananias goes, and the thing to remember, by the way, is that at this point, Ananias hadn't been to a church service where there was a table in the corner where it was like, if you'd like to sign up to go and pray for convicted Christian murderers, then come over here. Ananias didn't know that he was in the Bible at this point. Ananias didn't know that Paul was going to become the most influential Christian, uh, arguably, uh, of the New Testament. Ananias was just following God's agenda. But what was amazing was that God was already working behind the scenes. It's brilliant because Paul, Saul, had already been met by God. Because just a few verses before, Saul is traveling to Damascus and he's interrupted by Jesus, who appears as a big bright light. Jesus has been working with Saul and then he goes to Ananias and Ananias gets to join in with what God is already doing. Pete Gregg, who is the founder of 24-7 Prayer, he says that one of the things he's learned in leading that movement has been not to make waves, but surf them. What he means is it's really easy to put loads of effort into trying to make something happen. And while you're putting loads of effort in over here, you miss the fact that there's a big wave that God has created over here. And so he's, he said that he's learned to just say, do you know what, rather than putting loads of effort into trying to make something happen, I'm just going to look to see what God's agenda is. And then, hey, look, there's a wave over there. Let's do this over here. I know that's how so many amazing stories have started. I totally recommend his book, Dirty Glory. I've just finished reading it, and it's brilliant. But it's all about God creating waves and, and them just faithfully saying, right, let's try and surf that wave. I, I think it was John Wimber who said, we don't want to ask that God blesses what we're doing, but we want to bless what God is already doing. And when I heard that, that blew my mind because I realized the whole way I'd been living life as a Christian had been, right, I'm going to try really hard to do this and I hope that God blesses me along the way. All right, okay, I've got, I've got some brand new idea for ministry ideas, so I'll try doing that and hope that God blesses it. Or I'm going to uh, lead worship and uh, when I get to the point where I sing the stand and then I sing Holy Spirit, at that point God's going to do stuff. And then when I realized, wait a minute, I'm just asking that God would bless my agenda. What does it mean for me to say, God, what are you already doing that I can bless, that I can get involved in because I'm in partnership with you and you provide the momentum? Um, I'd like to invite Ruth and Iona up to the stage. Uh, let's give up for Ruth and Iona, who are two of our young people. Thanks, girls. Um, so this is Ruth and this is Iona. Hello. Yeah, it's so good to have you. Uh, Ruth and Iona, um, I'd love to share with the congregation uh, what happened or what has happened with you guys over the last year. 
Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> it was last Christmas. Yes. Um, I don't know if anyone knows George and Myra Martin. Uh, yeah, they're at Mustard Seed now. Chris says. Um, but yeah, so I was going to their house for Christmas Eve and uh, George had a conversation with me. And for those of you who do know him, he is like a little bit like... Like, I love him, but he's a little bit crazy. Um, <laughs> nobody tell him I said that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, we'll delete that from the recording. It's fine, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, he, he came to me and he was like, right, there's this girl Hello. called uh, Iona that's uh, coming along and I really think that God really wants to meet her, like, because she's just going to do some really cool things in his name. And I was like... All right, George Cope, whatever. Um, and, but then I was on the car going to this Christmas Eve... Christmas Eve event, yeah. Event? Whatever. Well, they do it yearly, so... Yeah, it's like a thing. Christmas yeah. Eves do tend to happen every year, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't too sure, but, you know... <laughs> I think this year it's the 24th of December. Yeah, Keep that put in it in your diary. Somewhere. Yeah, okay. that's right. Oh, I thought it was 23rd, yeah. um, <laughs> Anyway... George yeah, yeah, has already yeah. had a conversation, so, you're on the way to um, Christmas. I was on the way and I just felt my stomach like do flips and flips and flips and like my brain kept like remembering like the conversation and, and then I ended up just like sitting in the car and just going like, God, like if you do want to do this, like I want to get involved, I want to get involved in like whatever your plan is, like let it happen and like if any conversation comes up, like speak through me, like yeah, just let your plan prevail sort of thing. Mm. Amazing, great. So then, Iona, um, up until Christmas this point, tell us about your experience of faith, church, Jesus, yeah. that kind of thing. So my family is a Christian family. Um, I used to go to church when I was younger, occasionally. Um, but then I moved to school and I decided I didn't really have time to go to church because I was focused mainly on making friends and like a social group. So church kind of went out the picture over years. And then... It got to a time around this time last year, um, I felt very isolated, I felt like I didn't really have any friends. My mum had recently, I think, broken up with a partner, uh, and my dad, who was my rock, um, he'd moved to England, so it was really difficult for me. Um, and I remember trying out church, and I went to a church, and it just didn't really do anything. I was like, nah, not really feeling it. Um, <laughs> uh, so I was like, nah, God's not real. Let's not do this, but yeah, then Christmas came, and yeah. yeah um, tell us about Christmas. Basically, we were, um, we were there, and I, like, was really trying to kind of avoid yeah, you, sorry. We were at the table in the middle, and we were just looking at each other, but... Yeah, we were, we like, walking around the table, <laughs> um, and I eventually went up and chatted to her, um, and in my head, I was like, if religion comes up, like let it happen if it doesn't like I'll just chat to her like normal and uh and it obviously did because you know God like does stuff like that um and yeah religion started talking yeah, we were talking about the uh evening service the 12 o'clock service and I was like Ruth are you going to go to it I was like I'm far too lazy for 12 o'clock at night are you joking me <laughs> yeah um, bed. all the food had like ran us out I think yeah. um and then we got onto the topic of religion and Ruth was like yeah I go to P's and G's it's really cool you should come along one time and I was like absolutely like yeah hooing myself saying that <laughs> so I was like okay I'll give it a go um I think we made 
she gave me the wrong um, oh person to talk to, so I was like yeah. trying to hunt her down. I, I did was, like, really I'm well. Determined. You'd all yeah. be so proud of me. <laughs> gave her the wrong Snapchat because you know, had one job. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Then we met up and and yeah, and yeah. now. Are you on a hero? Hello. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And how's it been going since Christmas? Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the start, I walked in and I was like, this is pretty cool, actually. Worship was going on, and I was like, okay, don't know any of these songs, but it's pretty cool. Um, and then it was the talk, and then just after in the youth base, I was like, this is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, now I think I've had like messages and things from Ruth and other people. Uh, and the one thing that actually really drew me into church was. The first time Ruth sat me down during worship, she was like, I have a picture. It's of you sitting down looking at a painting. And I was like, okay. Uh, and it's blurry. I was like, okay, kind of makes sense. She was like, yeah. Is God, I think, is trying to say to you, you're seeing a blurry image of me, but soon it will become clear. And at that instant, it suddenly related to me. I was like, yeah, mm. this is actually so relevant. So I was like, going back. <laughs> So, yeah. That's so cool. And now you're part of P's and G's yeah. and loving life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And we love having you. It's so yeah. We love having Great. both of you. Brilliant. Let's give it up for Iona and Ruth. <laughs> I'll take your mics. Thank you. Thanks, girls. The thing I love about that story is it is so normal. It's so normal. And Ruth and Iona didn't realize that they were both moving into something that God already had on his agenda. Ruth was, uh, in her words, pooing herself to have the conversation. And Iona was like, oh, I don't really know what I think about this, this stuff. But, but I love how, how normal it is, yet totally of God. And Iona's life's been transformed. We love having Iona as part of the youth ministry. And, and it's been so amazing to just see that that is something that God has done on his agenda that's totally normal. And we could all, within the next couple of weeks, probably have really normal stories like that of God intervening in God's agenda as we move into partnership. So as we ask for his agenda, um, get in the habit of asking God, God, what are you doing? What's God doing? And that will utterly transform the way you look at any situation. It has is, is wrecked me asking that question. It changes things on the big scale and on the small scale. So on the small scale, if I'm having a coffee with a friend and I think, what's God doing right now? What is God doing in, in my life and my friend's life? It changes the way I approach that conversation. If I, if I ask uh, when I walk into a pub, what's God doing in this pub right now? <coughs> what's God's agenda for this pub right now? It changes the way I see it. If, if you're leading worship, if you're preaching, if you're leading a service and you're asking, what is God doing in the room right now? It changes it. And, and even just now, if we each think, what is God doing right now? He'll have said loads of different things to some of us there. Some of us um, might even in that second be like, oh my goodness, that's something God's doing. Some of us might not, and that's okay. Uh, but it also changes things on the big scale. If you are a business owner, what does it look like for you to say, what's God going to do in the city of Edinburgh over the next five years? God, show me your agenda for the next five years. Let me pray in so that I can prophetically adapt my business strategy to, to support what you want to do in Edinburgh. If you are a school teacher and you have a class for the next year, what does it look like for you to pray saying, God, what are you doing in the life of my class over this next year? If you are a parent and you ask, God, what are you doing in the life of our family? It changes everything. 
It's moving into partnership with God. So we move into partnership with God by, first of all, answering him, saying, I'm here. Second of all, by asking him for his agenda, saying, God, what are you doing? And then thirdly, we move further into partnership as we acknowledge that we are his instrument. We're his instrument. In verse 15, it says this. The Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles. As I said, if anyone could have boasted about the work that they had done, it could be Paul. Paul could get back to the end of his life and say, I've done a pretty good job. And I've achieved a lot. And I've had lots of success. And I've managed to change lots. But it's so encouraging that right here at the start of Paul's calling to ministry, God says, this man is my chosen instrument. Paul is his instrument. Do you know that you are an instrument? That you have been made to have passions and gifts and skills and abilities. And God wants to use you in partnership. I have a a piano, a nice red piano that some of you might have seen me play before. It's lovely. It's called a Nord. Um, Where the Nord is, the Lord is indeed. (laughs) But my Nord can do amazing things. It's designed to do incredible things musically. But if there's not a musician playing that instrument, then it just sits there totally useless. If, if someone that wasn't a musician tried to play my Nord, like, yeah, they'd, they'd make some things sound okay, but it wouldn't be being played to its full potential. Do you know that your full potential use as an instrument, as the person that God made you to be, is when you're working in partnership with him? And I don't mean uh, that that necessarily looks like signing up to a ministry in church, although that is absolutely one of the ways that God can use you. But it may be that uh, your best use of you being an instrument for God is in whatever sector you're working in, is whatever uh, school um, you're part of or whatever uni course you're part of, whatever it might be, you are at your best when you're in partnership with God and he's using you as an instrument. So get to know yourself as an instrument. Get to know what makes you tick. Ask a mentor or ask a friend, hey, what what do you see in me? What do you think I'm good at? What do you think I'm not good at? Ask yourself, based on what I see God doing and what I'm passionate about, how do I think I could best be used in this situation? Again, if you can get in the habit in every situation saying, what's God doing right now? And how does God want to use me right now? That changes the way you see everything. And the thing about recognizing and acknowledging that you are an instrument is that for some of us, that brings humility. And for some of us, that brings a confidence. For those uh, that really need to be humbled by that, when we remember that we are God's chosen instruments, says in verse 15, he's a chosen instrument. We remember that it's not about me. Maybe I've grown this Bible study to this size, or maybe I've led this many people to Jesus, or maybe I've uh, done whatever amazing work. But as you remember, hey, I'm an instrument being used by God. 
It takes all the pressure off you. You can say, it was God who was using me. Yeah, absolutely own the fact that God didn't make a mistake when he made you. And you can say, I am being used by him and I'm really good at this thing. Like, it's amazing for Josh to say, I'm really good at working with students. I'm really good at drumming. I'm really good at alpha. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's also great for Josh to say, I'm really good at that stuff, but also I recognize I'm an instrument and it's, it's for God's glory. And when knowing that we're an instrument brings confidence, it's when we realize, do you know what? I am a total mess. I'm broken. Some of us right now will be thinking, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fit to be used for an instrument. And the last thing I ever want to do is stand up here pretending to be this kind of holy instrument. And Mike Pilavachi says, you think people on a stage are great until you become one of them and then you realize that they're not at all and they're totally broken. Um, I'm, I'm James and I, I make jokes that are too rude sometimes. I'm James, I've got colorful relationship history. I'm James, I say things that are inappropriate. I get jealous of people. I can get really prideful. I can say really hurtful things. I can gossip about people. But I know that God still wants to use me as an instrument. A part of that is that I'm on a personal journey of holiness and I'm being made more like Jesus. I'm not, I'm not just saying, oh, you know, I'm broken and that's me. But God wants to use us as instruments in partnership with him. So let's be people who step into the fact that God wants to use us in partnership with him. Let's be people who answer God. Yes, Lord, I'm here. Let's be people who ask God what his agenda is. Yes, God, I'm here. Show me what you're doing. And let's be people who acknowledge that we are instruments to be used by him. Yes, God, I'm here. Show me what you're doing and show me how you can use me in this. And that's why I love that we're doing this Pray, Serve, Give Day because as a church, we're not trying to say, hey, let's get more people to fill rotas or let's get more people so that we can look really good so that on social media at the end of the year we can share a video saying we have this many church members. We, we are just a church who are trying to say how do we move in partnership with God? And we believe that how God wants us to be in partnership with him is by making whole life disciples. We're sharing the whole of the gospel with the whole of society through churches of grace. And all we want to say to you is, please come join us as we try and partner with God in that. It's not about, it's not about just, uh, we, we want you to give your money away because you might feel guilty otherwise. It's us saying, hey, come partner with what God is doing in this church and financially back it. We're not asking you to join counseling reception because we just need someone to uh, welcome people and check the emails. It's because we think, wow, God is doing stuff in the counseling department and we want you to come and be a part of what he's doing. I'm not asking you to be in the youth ministry because I think you can be good at making crepes and watching great YouTube videos. It's because I believe that God has called us um, to go into partnership with him and work with young people in Edinburgh. And that's the same across all these ministries. Even this morning, I, I was really challenged. I was sat just in the back corner over there. And I thought, God is on this mission to bring every single person into relationship with him. And I'm one of his main strategies. And I thought, 
this strip of pavement just on the other side of that wall. How many people do you think have walked past in the last hour? Like a hundred? A couple of hundred? I don't know. How many have sat in the tram stop waiting to go to the airport? How many have been at the Omni Center? And of those hundreds of people, how many of them know that, that the God of the universe wants to be in relationship with them? That since the creation of the world, he has known each one of them and has wanted them to be in relationship with him. Who's sitting in that bus stop right now who might even be hearing my big, stupid, boomy voice echoing through the window? Who's sitting in that bus stop right now and do they know that, that God loves them and wants to be in relationship with them? Yeah, God could have some road to Damascus moment and blast them with lights. That might happen. But probably more than likely is he's going to use us. What does it look like if every single one of us left this room saying, God, I want to be in partnership with you for your mission to share your love with every single person that I come across. And I'm going to answer you. I'm going to ask for your agenda. And I'm going to acknowledge that I am your instrument. What might he do? What might amazing stories might we have? What normal stories might we have? But for whoever sat on that bus stop, literally right there, how are they going to know that God loves them? It is, it's not fair. It's so unjust that as you walk past people, they don't know. And yet we're called to be in partnership with God. So let's be people that move in partnership by God, by answering him by asking for his agenda and by acknowledging that we are instruments to be used by him.